0: Are you the type of leader who wants to leave behind a legacy? Well, I'd love to help you unlock a legacy of excellence with the school leadership toolkit. For just $97, you'll gain access to 10 easy to implement resources, including templates, frameworks, and bonus content designed to help you manage your to-do list, make better decisions, navigate difficult conversations, and support your team. Fast track solutions to your challenges by grabbing the toolkit at schoolsofexcellence.com toolkit, or click the link in the show notes. ELEVATE YOUR LEADERSHIP JOURNEY TODAY. WELCOME TO THE SCHOOLS OF EXCELLENCE PODCAST, WHERE WE HAVE CONVERSATIONS ABOUT EDUCATION, LEADERSHIP, AND BUILDING A SCHOOL OF EXCELLENCE. THE GOAL ON THIS SHOW IS TO BRING YOU CLARITY, UPLEVEL YOUR MINDSET, AND GIVE YOU PRACTICAL STRATEGIES AND INSPIRATION SO YOU CAN SHOW UP WITH CONFIDENCE AND TRUST YOUR DECISION-MAKING. I'm Khani Olshansky, I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. So at the time of this recording, I'm actually recording at six o'clock in the morning. So this week while I'm recording is actually week number four consecutively that we are hosting sleepover guests. So my sister was here for the week of Hanukkah and then the week after that my brother-in-law came to town and then the week after that we had uh eating guests actually not sleepover guests and now this week we're having my brother-in-law come different brother-in-law come with his family of six. So it has been busy with beautiful things actually I've committed in 2023 to use the word busy a lot less. So it has been a highly committed month. And Friday is usually kind of a big time block for big podcast recordings. But Friday, I want to keep open to be able to be available for my guests when they're here. And so um, I've created some other podcast time blocks. And one of them is at six o'clock in the morning. So here I am. So if my voice sounds like... Um, I just woke up. It's because I did just wake up. So I'm really excited about today's podcast because this is an intro to a very special series that I've created and been thinking about this for a really long time. So this is part one of the delegation dip. It's going to be a three part series of the three things that happen in the delegation dip. So I want to kick off by saying, you know, if you're an owner, if you're an owner of multi site companies, delegation is a key component to growth. However, far too often, I find that leaders are shamed into why they aren't delegating, right? We hear things like, you're a control freak, you're a perfectionist, whatever it is, right? And the challenge with hearing things like that is we think this is really like an us issue all the way, right? We think like, oh my gosh, like if I just stopped controlling all the time, or if I just stopped being such a perfectionist, then I wouldn't need a micromanage, then I wouldn't. Then it would be easier for me to delegate. So. I want to talk about where sometimes not delegating is actually wisdom. If we think about, I have a 12-year-old son, I wouldn't delegate the car keys to him to take his siblings to school or even drive himself to anything that he needs to do. Why? Because it's wisdom not to give a 12-year-old the car keys. They don't know how to drive a car, right? They are not even at the age that they're allowed to get into the car. So let's take something a little less extreme. We don't delegate high-level mission-critical tasks to a new employee who's been in the business for two weeks and this is their first job and they're 19 years old. That's not micromanaging or you're a control freak or whatever it is. That is wisdom. We don't give a new employee who's been in the company for two weeks and this is their first job in their life some high-level mission-critical tasks. That is wisdom, not controlling. So the real question becomes, as we start to grow in scale, as we start to um, really branch out and focus on what it is that you need to focus on as the school leader, the question becomes, how do we delegate? What do we actually delegate? Why are we delegating? Really understanding, starting with, why are you delegating? Okay. Why are you delegating these tasks? So sometimes we're delegating a test simply because it's annoying. It's minutia. You don't have brain space for it. It's just annoying. You're just like, just somebody else do this. So let's say, for example, one of my pet peeves is filling out forms. They are far too cumbersome for me. Even if there's like seven things in the form, it's really exhausting for me. I am a verbal processor, not a writer. And so when people want me to fill out forms, I'm usually like, can I just get on a call with you for 10 minutes and I will answer all of your questions in the form. Now, some people love forms. They're like, I don't want to talk to you. I want to fill out the form. So Typically, when there are forms that we have to fill out as a company, if we're bringing on a new employee or we're hiring a vendor or whatever it is, I will typically delegate that task to someone else on the team, You know, depending on the department. And then I'll have them ping me with like, hey, I need the answer to kind of this question in the form. Can you send me a quick voice message um, or a Voxer message? Why am I delegating that? For lots of reasons. But one, very simply... Forms are cumbersome for me. So not just in business, like when we take the kids to the doctor, mayor comes with me, mayor fills out the forms. I don't fill out the forms. One, I miss details. So I usually end up missing any of the boxes that I have to fill out. Two, I have no patience to fill out the forms. So I'm usually speeding through it and making tons of spelling mistakes. Besides the fact that spelling is not my specialty, we have copywriters that take care of our copy because I'm not good at spelling and grammar. So And then when we went to like the passport office to get the kids passports, like, I'm like, okay, you fill out all the forms, like, I'm going to take care of all the kids over here. You fill out all the forms, like I will do anything except fill out forms. So that's just like a little funny example of like what I'm delegating. But then there is other things that we delegate simply because they're annoying and we don't want to do them versus when you're delegating something because, hey, this is a high level mission critical project that the company needs to do, but I don't need to be the one to do it. You can do it as a member of our leadership team. Um, you could do it as a teacher on our team. You could do it as a you know person on our admin team because these are projects that only I can do as the business owner. I always tell this to our clients in our Owner's HQ program and in our legacy group, you're always building two businesses, the business you have now and the business you're going to have in six months from now. And as the captain of your ship, if you are not looking at building the business that you're going to have in six months from now, you're going to hit an iceberg and it's not going to be pretty because you don't get to choose what iceberg you knock into. You don't get to choose if that that's going to be an iceberg that's going to tank your company or if it's going to be an iceberg that's just going to cause some flooding that you guys are going to have to clean out. You need to constantly have your eye on the horizon. You need to ensure that you as the business owner are looking at six months from now and right now, right? So there's maintenance stuff that you always need to be doing as a school leader, but then are you looking in six months from now, what's coming in the pipeline? That is not the role of all your employees, right? That is the role of you as the leader, as the business owner. And if you don't have the capacity, the time and the brain space to do that, your business cannot sustain itself. You cannot build legacy. This is why delegation is so critical, because you need in order to grow your business. You need a team. You need people working and operating with you. So. What happens in the delegation process? Well, there's a difference between delegating a task and delegating an outcome goal. Delegating a task is, hey, can you make copies of these papers for the staff meeting? That is delegating a task, right? Someone else is going to make the copies for you. Delegating the outcome goal is you are responsible to ensure that all necessary items, materials, and resources are ready for the monthly staff meeting. Let's sit down and create a checklist together of what needs to be there. We'll run through it two or three times together, and then that's your job. Your job is to make sure that everything's ready for the staff meeting. Part of that is Copies or ordering coffee or putting out the tablecloths, making sure there's enough chairs. I don't know. There's like a bajillion things that need to be done for every staff meeting. That is someone else's job, right? So delegating the outcome goal is everything that is needed to run a successful staff meeting is your responsibility besides for what I'm talking about right? I'm going to do whatever we're going to talk about. You need to take care of all the other details, figure it out. What are all the details in ensuring that there is a successful staff meeting? You think about our summit of excellence that we have. So the first year, I went through with Michalina, who's our head of events, every single thing that's going on at the event. We had every conversation with the caterer. We did every single conversation with all of the vendors, every single thing we did together. And it was kind of this hip-to-hip coaching where she was really watching me do every single part of the execution of the live event. This year, I didn't have one conversation with the caterer. I'm going to say that again. I didn't have even one conversation with the caterer. Michalina sourced the caterer, hired the caterer. We hired a different caterer than we did last year. She did everything because she knows at this point, the standards, the company values, how we make decisions for events, the process that we go through. She looked at all the feedback forms from last year from attendees in relation to food. Now she has the information and the permission to make all the decisions in related to hiring a caterer for the live event, right? so. Let's go a step further because I know some of you are are listening to this and thinking, okay, I know I want to delegate, honey, like I do, but things aren't getting done or things are getting lost and things are getting missed and all of this stuff is happening. Yes. Let's look at the first filter. Do you have taskmasters or do you have profit warriors? I'm going to say that again. Do you have taskmasters or do you have profit warriors? Taskmasters are people that do tasks really well, but they operate from a task list. Tell them what to do and they'll do it amazingly well. They'll do it flawlessly. But you have to always tell them what to do. That is a taskmaster. It's someone's inability to really think through a project, think through all of the steps, come back to you with the necessary questions. It's a taskmaster. There's a need for that in different companies, some companies, some, some companies, not, I don't have any taskmasters inside of my company. I don't hire taskmasters. One time we had one, I thought I would lose my mind. Like I cannot work with taskmasters. I need people to have the ability to think through projects. Now, there are certain companies that need taskmasters, right? They need people on the team that are just going to execute and execute it flawlessly and follow that checklist and do it amazing. In small business and schools, you need people to have multiple disciplines and multiple skill sets within their project work, within their role inside of your organization. A profit warrior. Something I talk about in our CEO legacy group is about building out your team, building out your leadership team from the perspective of these are my profit warriors. These are people on the team that know how to drive profit into the organization. So these people are not just people that are like, oh, can you produce this? Can you do? No, no, no. They actually think through and say, What is the best strategy to drive leads into this company? What is the best way to convert um, X amount of people without using the CEO's time? They're asking the high-level questions and building out the project plans for you. That is a profit warrior, right? That's not a taskmaster. So when you are looking at your leadership team currently, Okay, take a moment, take an assessment, write out everyone on your leadership team and their role, right? Whatever their job title is or their role, or really, I like to write their outcome goal. Like, what is the outcome goal that this member of the team drives for the company? And then you're going to ask yourself Does this person drive a profit for the company on a quarterly, biannually basis? Are they consistently driving profit generating activity, or are they a taskmaster? Do they need me to constantly walk them through every single step of the way and handhold them and double check and loop them in and ask them where they're holding on each of the projects or whatever it is? That is going to burn you out. It is going to exhaust you. It's not sustainable. You're one person. So you are looking at your profit wars versus your taskmasters. Okay. So now let's go into what the delegation dip is, right? What is this concept? of the delegation dip. This is something that I created. I called it the delegation dip because when you want to start delegating something to a member of your team, there is a dip in productivity and efficiency in the delegation process. So let's say you decide that someone on the team is going to start taking care of parent email communication. And historically, you have done the parent email communication. Well, In the process of delegating and handing that off and walking through like, here's how we make decisions. These are the company values. Here's how we discern what to email, what not to email, right? I keep saying values because values is everything. Values is in an email. Absolutely values is in an email. Number one value in schools of excellence is legendary service. In an email, there needs to be legendary service in that email. If there isn't, we are not honoring company values. How do you portray legendary service in an email? There's a lot of ways you could do that. So when you're delegating, you're delegating values, you're delegating the outcome goals, right? Because here's the thing you need to understand. It doesn't matter how the person does the task. It doesn't matter if they used Chrome instead of Safari, or if they did the blue pen instead of the red pen, right? That matters if you're filling out forms in government, right? I always i have said this story a lot. Um, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but my brother was doing construction in his house during COVID. Like, well, depends what you say during COVID, like during that season. And so he had a dumpster, a huge dumpster outside of his house. And uh, one morning he wakes up and he sees a ticket on his door. And it says that the dumpster is outside for too long. and He, he, he didn't have a license past 30 days to have the dumpster. So he calls up the place and he's like, hey, we're going to be doing construction for a little bit longer. Can I extend my license for six months? And they're like, no, you have to renew it every month. You can't buy a six month license. Fine. Okay. So he goes down there and the lady's like, okay, you have to fill out this form and you have to come back here every month to fill out the form again. So my brother's like, seriously, can I pay you? And I'll fill out all six forms right now. And I'll post date them for you. Like, I don't have time to come back here every month to do this nonsense. She's like, no, that's the policy. And I'm like, classic government. Anyways, I'm not even done yet with the stupidity. So then she's like, you need to fill out this form. Great. He fills out the form he brings it to her. And she's like, oh, you did this in blue ink. We only accept black ink because then it won't get onto our server when we scan it. So you need to fill out the form again. My brother called me up to vent after he filled out the form again. And I was like, holy moly. Like, it was like the perfect example of like, insanity, right? Like, oh, it needs to be done in blue ink, not black ink. Oh, it needs to be done like this, not this. Oh, you need to come back 70 times. Oh, you need to fill out this money order from, oh, you can't do it this way. Oh, it needs to be like this. Oh, why? Why does it need to be like that? Why can't I give you $500 cash? Here you go. I need the license for six months. Don't make me come back here 70 billion times. And I filled it out in black ink, deal with it, right? No. There's a whole process of insanity when it comes to all of these government crazinesses, which is fine. Let them do their thing. You are running a profitable business. You're running a childcare center, you're running a profitable business. It doesn't matter if someone fills out the form in blue ink or blacking. And if it does, you need to check yourself. You need to ask yourself some other serious questions. If it bothers you, if someone is filling out the forms and different color pens. I'm gonna take a deep breath because I'm getting really worked up here. It doesn't matter how certain things are done. What matters is the outcome goal. And we get so caught up on all of these little idiocies. The reason I share this story is because one, I think it's funny and I hope you laughed. And two, I want you to recognize like how crazy it can get if you don't put guardrails and boundaries and say, just do it, just do it. It's, it's a really understanding those things. It's a really understanding that like, you can't afford to pay people to do a thousand little things. Like this person could basically have a job two times a year. People come in, the office is open two times a year. You fill out your forms, you get your papers in or whatever it is. You fill out your licensing things and done. No. We got to employ this person. So how are we going to find jobs for her? Well, she can make sure everyone does it in black ink. And then she can make sure everyone has to fill it out every month and sign the form. And then she's got to stamp it. And, you know, after the person does this, then they need to do this again. And gosh, we filled out her eight-hour day. Yay! You can't do that. Your people need to be profit warriors. Your people need to be working efficiently. Your people need to be working on high-level projects that move the company forward, not stupidity. So in the delegation dip, when you're delegating something over, there is a 30% decrease in efficiency and productivity. What does that mean? Well, in the process that the person is doing the job that you used to do. There is a time period, it's typically three to six months, that the way that you sent the email is not going to be as good, the way that they send the email is not going to be as good as when you sent the email because you used to do it. Now you delegated it. So there is a time period that there is a 30% decrease in efficiency and productivity. In that time period, that is called the dip. That's the delegation dip. That is the time period that owners need to learn how to tolerate the discomfort of the 30% decrease in efficiency and productivity. Your ability as an owner to tolerate, to get comfortable in the discomfort of something not being perfect is the key to unlocking the delegation and the superpowers that unlock your company. I hear so often people talk about like, how do you unlock the greatness of your team? How do you help your team? How do you get your team to do things? How? It is the wrong question. The question is not, how do I get my team to do this? The question is, how do I learn to tolerate and sit in the discomfort after I've delegated something and it's going to be less than perfect? And guess what? I'm going to be okay. The company's going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. Because this is a season where we're delegating it and it's going to not be perfect and we're going to be okay. This isn't about empowerment. Paying them more money during the delegation dip doesn't help them make less mistakes. Giving them bonuses during the delegation dip doesn't help them make less mistakes. So the question you have to reckon with is, are you ready to have a season of three to six months where projects are not 100% perfect or 100% up to par? Are you okay with that? So I'm not saying that you enter a season where you're delegating everything to everyone and then every single department has inefficiencies and discrepancies. No. It's we're, go, we're focusing on this department. We're taking care of this thing. That is the power of hatching a project plan. That is the power of having understanding how to work through this. So what happens in the dip? What happens in the delegation dip? In that time period, three things happen that I've seen historically in working with owners and directors over the last 10 years. Three things happen. One owners will start to micromanage. Two, they neglect. What does neglect mean? Well, we all know what micromanage means, right? What does neglect mean? Neglect is when the owner says, oh, I delegated it to you. Okay, she's got it. And they move on. They neglect. They don't give coaching. They don't offer support. They don't offer feedback. They don't offer a training. They neglect. Just do it. I don't care how you do it. I don't get, just do it. Right? It is the extreme opposite of micromanage. It's neglect. And the third thing that they do during the delegation dip is they fire too quickly. A couple months in, they're like, oh, this person's not a fit. They can't do the job. They're making too many mistakes. Blah blah, blah blah blah. Right? They fire too quickly. So I am not against firing. I've let go of employees in the past. There's nothing wrong with firing. The question you have to ask yourself is, is the person still on the dip? Is the person in the delegation dip still? And there's still a learning curve that needs to take place. So today's episode, I'm going to dive into a little bit more into micromanaging. And next episode, we're going to go into delegation dip, neglect, and then we're going to go into um, firing. And the reason I'm focusing on, created a whole series on this is because This podcast is Schools of Excellence. This podcast is about understanding how to build and sustain schools of excellence, right? Our mission is to have a global conversation around how to build and sustain schools of excellence. Delegation is a huge component of building and sustaining schools of excellence. It's a huge piece of understanding how to really grow and scale your company. So what happens in micromanaging, right? What does micromanaging look like? oftentimes micromanagement is actually a symptom of fear. So people say things like, oh, it's control. It's this, it's fear. At the root of it all, it's fear. It is the fear that the job is going to get right and then fill in the blank. When I do strategic planning sessions, there are 90 minute strategic planning sessions with owners and their teams. So I do these typically quarterly clients will reach out to me and book a strategic planning session. So I did one recently, and. I was working through with one of the owners like, okay, where's the fear? Why can't you delegate this? Tell me what's going on. And she's like, if it doesn't get right, then my business will be shut down. I'll lose, I'll lose my retirement. I'll lose everything that I created. So at the fear of why she's micromanaging is loss, right? It's the fear of loss. It's the fear of losing everything that she's built. Now, Is it real? Is it legitimate? Will she lose her business if the person sends the wrong email? I don't know. But if we don't reckon with our biggest fear of why we're micromanaging, you can't get to the root of it, right? You can't get ahead of it. So the micromanagement is the fear, right? When you're sitting in the delegation dip, you are fearful that something is going to happen. So I want you to pause and I want you to ask yourself, and if you're driving, that's okay. You can think about this and then when you come to your destination, you can write this down. If you're folding laundry, cooking dinner, taking a walk, ask yourself this question. What am I afraid of? What is my biggest fear when I delegate? What am I afraid is going to happen? And really ask yourself that again and again and again. Right. So if your fear of like, well, it's not going to get right, and then what? Well, if it's not going to get right, then it's going to ruin my reputation. And then what? What happens if you lose your reputation? What are you afraid might happen if you now have a bad reputation? Oh, well, people are not going to like us. Okay. And then what happens if people don't like you? Well, they're not going to send their kids to us. Okay. And then what happens if people won't send their kids to you? Keep going to get to the root of the fear. So that's the micromanagement piece, right? The first piece is it's at the root of it is fear. What else? micromanagers typically over communicate okay so when you're micromanaging it's because you're in fear of something you're afraid of something and then what happens is is you typically start to over communicate so i'll give you a personal example so When I micromanage, I'm in fear, right? I already know that about myself, right? And typically, a lot of micromanagement comes from fear, your fear of loss. Like there's something that you're afraid of. And so you're starting to control what's going on. So in the house, when I micromanage, when I start to micromanage mayor or start to micromanage something, mayor and I have created kind of a standard of communication where mayor will say, okay, what do you need from me to feel safe? in this moment. I'm going to say that again. What do you need from me to feel safe in this moment? When we are micromanaging, we are in fear. When we are in fear, we don't feel safe. It's not that you're not physically safe. Okay, when you're inside of your school building or you're sitting in your office, you're safe, you're physically safe, you're fine, right? You don't feel psychologically safe. You don't feel emotionally safe. You don't feel safe of a future that's coming, right? There's something that's disrupting your equilibrium. There's something that's disrupting your nervous system. And so I'll do that sometimes at home, right? I'll start micromanaging because my mind feels unsafe right now. And so when you have a partner or a team member who can say, what do you need from me right now to feel safe? What do you need to see? What do you need to hear? What needs to happen in order for you to feel safe? It's very powerful for the leader to be cognizant of their fears, of their insecurities, of their doubts, because then you can learn how to own your own shit. This is where you learn to own yourself and your own story and not project that onto your team or your loved ones or your family members. So micromanagement comes from a lot of fear, a lot of fear. And we live in a fear-based society. We live in a society that induces fear. We're coming out of three years of like fear all day long. The media loves to fear monger all day, right? It gets clicks. People watch it. We need to learn how to regulate ourselves and come back to our sense of safety. Okay, let me move on because I know that this episode is a little bit longer than I typically do, but there's a lot of important information I want to share with you. So you know that you're micromanaging if you're over communicating. So what do I mean by over communicating? Over communicating is you are over explaining instructions and every single detail Even when the employee's like, I got it, I know what to do, or you've already explained the instructions in the past and you don't need to go through every single step. It's good. You don't need to, right? That is micromanaging, right? It's like, okay, and now you're going to do this step and then you're going to go here and then you have a five minute break at the bathroom and then you're going to do this and that's micromanaging. How else do you know if you're micromanaging? You're constantly calling meetings. This was a huge wake-up call for me as a business owner. So I used to have meetings all the time in my calendar. I used to have tons of meetings, tons of conversations with team members. And one of my team leaders, she's like, listen, not everything needs to be a meeting. Not every conversation, not every, you know, they're just, we we don't need every single thing to be a meeting. And she really brought this awareness of I was having too many meetings because I felt that I didn't have the information that I needed to feel safe, to feel like, okay, good. Like that's taken care of. And so we created a better process of weekly updates. We use the software. Um, We were able to track what's going on and I'm able to track without meetings. So a symptom of micromanagement is calling too many meetings. So here's your next action step. Take a look at your calendar and ask yourself, are you in too many meetings? Are there too many conversations that you're part of? Do you need to be part of every single one of those conversations? Or do you need to be informed about what happens in that conversation? One of the things that we spoke about in our CEO legacy group. So our CEO legacy group is for owners who own multiple locations and are the true CEOs of their company, meaning they have directors, they have a leadership team, they don't need to be in the day-to-day consistently. And so we have a high-level group and conversation that happens there. So before the new year, one of the questions that I asked them is, what is the identity of your calendar? What Identity, do you want your calendar to say? Like when I look at your calendar, what will it tell me? What story will it tell me? So, one of our members said she wants to have the identity of the informed leader. She wants her calendar to say, Oh, when I look at this, I could see, Oh, you are the CEO of your company and you are the informed leader. People inform you what's happening. You don't need to sit in every conversation. So, look at your calendar and ask yourself Are you in too many meetings? Are you a part of too many conversations? Are you making too many decisions? That is a sign of micromanagement. So let's go back to what I started talking about in the beginning, where this delegation dip, right? It's during this season, during this three to six month season, that owners begin to micromanage too much. And so in the delegation process, there are important meetings to have, but those meetings need to have an intention, meaning it's like, okay, we're having a check-in on the previous five things that I delegated to you, I would love to hear how you did, what was missing, what was confusing, what worked, what didn't work, and let's move on. As opposed to, can you give me an update on every single thing that happened, right? Or can you can you loot me in on every single thing? There's a difference. So I don't want you to look at your calendar and say, oh, I have to eliminate all these meetings. No, it's more about Is there certain meetings that you can eliminate so you can actually make time for conversation when you're delegating properly to your team members? And we'll talk about that next week in neglect about the different kinds of meetings that you need to be having so you're not neglecting your team. So what do you actually need to do during this period, during this delegation dip so that you're not micromanaging? The first thing you need to tell yourself is get over yourself. And the first time I heard this, just get over it, was I did a parenting course last year with Mayor, And one of the things that the parenting coach was talking about was so many times as parents, we think we have to like, you know, penalize every single thing or have a conversation with our child about every single thing or talk about every single thing that comes up. And he's like, sometimes it's really like, you need to get over it. Like you just need to get over your insecurity, your trigger, your thing, your pride, ego, whatever you need to get over it. And then it's fine. It works out. So the first thing in the delegation dip is you need to get over yourself yes, you are the leader of the company. Yes, you are the CEO of the organization. Yes, you have a tremendous amount of value. You're creative, you're smart, you're innovative. And get over yourself. Someone else can plan the Christmas party. Get over yourself. Someone else can talk to the caterer. Get over yourself. Someone else can run the school tour. So it's learning how to not take yourself so seriously. Dave Ramsey from Entre Leadership has a great definition for humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself less, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not about, "Oh, I'm not good enough." I'm not No, no, no. Humility is just it's thinking about yourself a little bit less, right? It's not thinking about yourself all the time. It's not thinking about, "Oh, I'm the only person to do this and I do this amazingly." Yeah, someone else can also do a brilliant job at planning the party. So, one, get over yourself. Number 2, let it go. What does it mean to let it go? The difference between performance management and micromanagement is the focus on the micro. Performance management is managing the performance. It's managing and consistently developing that person on the team. It's people development, it's leadership development. One of the things that I talk about in our directors in our circle and our owner's HQ program is the hallmark of great directors and great leaders is how many new leaders did they build in their season of leadership? Are they developing people? Are they developing their leaders? So that is part of performance management, right? It's managing their performance and ensuring that they're growing and evolving. Micromanagement at its core is micro, right? You are looking at every single thing that's happening, all the micro details. So let it go. You performance management, not micromanagement. And lastly, expect to win most of the time, okay? Underlying your need to micromanage is the fear of failure. By magnifying the risk of failure, your employees learned a learned helplessness where they start to believe that they cannot perform unless you are there next to them and micromanaging, okay? So that's the vicious cycle. Provide resources, provide information, provide support. We're gonna talk about that next episode. Give credit where credit is due. And over time, you and your team will realize that losing and failure every now and then actually builds a strong record, a strong track record of long-term success. It's okay to lose. It's okay to fail. Gary V has a, a really great analogy, he talks about the scoreboard. And he says, you know, this is the scoreboard of winning and this is the scoreboard of losing. And he says that People want a hundred shots and they want to win a hundred percent of the shots and they want zero losses. And it doesn't work like that in life, right? You're going to go up to bat and you're going to miss. You're going to delegate tasks and they're going to screw them up. And it's okay. It's okay. You're going to bounce back from it. The loss is this incredible opportunity of how do we make this better? Where do we need opportunity here? Where is there room for coaching and skill development, So the question you have to ask yourself from this episode of micromanaging is, when I'm in the dip, when I'm in the delegation dip, and I have my urge to micromanage, right? My default, my reflex is saying, check, check, check. You know, see what's going on, hover over them, ask them for reports, ask for another meeting. Before you go and dive into that, ask yourself, do I need to just get over myself? Do I need to let it go? Do I need to be okay with this part? like that I might lose here. And if you're not okay with losing in that area, right? If you're not okay with like the loss because the the stakes are too high, then go in and intervene, but also discern, are you deciding that the stakes are too high because you think every area of the stakes are high? If every area the stakes are high, you're not prioritizing. It's not true. In every area of life, the stakes are not high. In every single job that you delegate, the stakes are not super high. There is a hierarchy, right? There are areas where the stakes are a little bit higher. So I want to leave you with this. You are an amazing school leader. You have courage. You have bravery. You have grit. You've made it to the end of this episode, which means you really, really want to learn how to do this. And again, like I always say, these episodes are not about tactical to-dos and tips and tricks. This is about the mindset shift. This is about the disruption of thinking. And so here are the questions I want you to ask yourself. Where do I have too many meetings and I need to let go of some things? What am I deeply afraid of? Where's my fear of loss, fear of disappointment, fear? Where is my fear? What am I terrified of? And how do I learn to sit in the discomfort when things are not exactly how I envision them? What are my go to strategies? How do I self soothe? Micromanagement is not a self soother. It's a manager. It's a way that you're trying to soothe yourself. You're trying to calm yourself down, but it's not. What are your soothing strategies? What do you do instead of micromanaging? Do you go take a walk? Do you listen to music? Do you go do meditation? Do you call a friend? Do you call the fellow owner? You need other strategies that sit inside of you as a replacement for micromanaging. Okay. Thanks so much for joining me for today's conversation. I really hope that you'll join us next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about neglect, um, the second thing that happens during the delegation dip. Thanks so much for joining. Also, if you can do us a quick favor um, and rate and leave us a review on the podcast, we are at over 75,000 downloads for the Schools of Excellence podcast. We're on our way to 100,000 episodes, 100,000 downloads, um, and we need your help to get there. So please rate and review this podcast so more people. People can hear about us and listen to the episode thanks so much for joining if you are loving the schools of excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school I would love if you can do two things for me one subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and two can you please leave us a review Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us.